0: Today's service is going to be quite a bit different. It's going to have a very bit different feel to it. There is going to be no message today, no singular message in that sense. Instead, we're going to have several short teaching segments that are brought to you, some live, some through a technology with video. And uh, so we're going to have singing kind of interspersed with teaching and teaching interspersed with singing. And throughout this, I'm actually going to act somewhat as your host or your guide uh, throughout this service. Just going to have that different feel. Because today's, techno- today's subject is basically this. It's the digital walk using technology things like this, without worshiping it. And we love our technology, don't we? We absolutely do love our technology, from our iPhones to our Facebook accounts, from television and movies and video games. You know, where would we be without computers or without cell phones? I mean, we all love technology. We use it. We're somewhat dependent on it. I have to tell you, even Pastor Gary Butler this week got an iPad. Okay? So... That's right. So, so we are all like into technology, aren't we? But how do we use technology in a godly, Christ-honoring way? How do we use it in a way that, that builds up the church, that builds ourselves up? How do we use technology in a way that, that guards us from it being a destructive influence or an idol in our lives? That's the focus of our service today, and we hope it will be a blessing to you. And to get started, we're going to begin with really a, a, about a 10-minute interview that we have with a man named Justin Taylor. And Justin Taylor is one of the most, if not the most, preeminent Christian bloggers today. He has a blog. It's called Beyond uh, Two Worlds. And this blog is read by hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands, perhaps, of people, Christians, every day. And uh, this is a man who, has, who, who is known really across the world And uh, he's a man who thinks a lot about technology, and he uses it to great effect for the kingdom. And he was gracious enough to grant us a personal interview with him. And so we hope that you'll find this interaction helpful. All right, let's roll the tape.
1: Hey, Bethel, we're here at uh, Crossway in Wheaton, Illinois, with Justin Taylor, uh, who's graciously given us some time today to talk about this weekend's theme, which is how to use technology without worshiping it. So Justin is a prominent voice in the evangelical blogosphere, also works here at Crossway as the Vice President of Editorial. Well, let's just dive into the first question, um, and the first question is, how can a Christian use the internet for their own personal discipleship?
2: That's a great question. I think there's a lot of, of different answers we could give there, but I think the the first two things that come to mind are Bible and prayer, that with wonderful gift that technology is, the Bible is available in multiple translations online for free. Mm-hmm. And you know, I work at Crossway. We publish the ESV, the English Standard Version, and um, you know, ESVBible.org we have the entire Bible there. And then you can uh, go on and get study notes, and um, you know, get a Greek module and see the underlying Greek words, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. John Piper, whom I used to work for when I was in Minneapolis, had a blog post not too long ago where he talked about um, the, the distractions that, say, an iPhone can be. People are always checking their messages, always um, checking emails, always writing emails. And he wondered if we could turn that in a positive way that instead of always checking the latest message or the latest news, wouldn't it be great for Christians to be throughout their day? Just taking little peeks at the Bible and looking at the Bible and dipping in, um, you know, to turn that addictive impulse that a lot of us struggle with, with regard to technology, into something profitable. And I think using using the technology that God's given us as a means of encouraging people and praying for people. When you read older missionary biographies of if you wanted to send say you were a missionary and you went off to India and I'm back in Nebraska and I want to send you a note of encouragement or let you know that I'm praying for you or to hear your struggles. I mean, It would be months and months and months uh, you know, for that physical letter to transport across the sea halfway around the world. And now we can receive those sort of things instantaneously. And just think, let's take advantage of this technology to encourage people. It just often takes 10 seconds to send somebody a note to let them know that you're praying for Mm -hmm. them or that you see the work of God in their lives.
1: So there are redemptive qualities to technology that we should take advantage of, such as Facebook. When you're on Facebook and you see somebody going through something, take some time, pray for them, send them a quick note that you did so, and that kind of helps in your own personal discipleship. A technology
2: is a gift that is not a neutral gift, but it can be used for redemptive purposes or Mm -hmm. for destructive purposes. And I'd encourage people not to think only of those two polarities, Mm -hmm. redemptive and destructive, but also this murky third middle that's Mm -hmm. more just trivial. So there's something like pornography, clearly destructive. There's something like praying and encouraging a friend in Christ who has cancer, clearly redemptive. But then there's this murky middle where it's not necessarily sinful to be reading sports scores or mm-hmm. to be uh, tweeting what you had for breakfast this morning <laughs> right. or to say on Facebook that you, uh, you know, you're taking your dog to the vet. That's not sinful. That's not evil. But that's where I think wisdom and discernment come of. How much of your
1: time are you spending on that murky middle ground? Are there any other um, ways that we can use technology and in our own personal discipleship, or do we hit all the main ones?
2: I'd mention um, blogs and websites that are Christian and that are intentionally designed to function as a filter mm-hmm. for good content. That's what my blog tries to do. That's what the Gospel Coalition tries to do, because mm-hmm. I mean, everybody who's been on the Internet knows that you can spend the rest of your life just looking up interesting things sure. on the Internet. Right. And uh, the problem isn't that there's not enough information. The problem is that there's so much information. Mm -hmm. Take Gospel Coalition as an example. I think that's a tool that can be used of God where you have people who may have the gift of discernment filtering out some of those things and saying, here's a really good sermon. Here's a really good book. Uh, Here's a really thoughtful quote from a Puritan from um, 1600, something like that. Uh, I think that can be another tool that God can use in our process of sanctification.
1: From a Christian worldview, what are what are some red flags, some cautions, connected to um, internet information such as social media, blogging, podcasts? I mean, everybody's got one now. How do we filter, kind of like you talked about, filter those things for our own personal discipleship and for um, edification? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I'd want to not assume when you ask those questions about red flags. Um, the issue of, of pornography, whether you're talking about hardcore pornography or just the sort of things that, that shape us in a, in a worldly way. We all know the dangers of that. I mean, that's not, um, you know, a news flash to anybody listening to this. Mm. But some people only stay there, you know, and they think that that's, when, when they think about the destructiveness of the Internet, it's just worldly things or sinful things. And I think, and to go back to something we touched on earlier, the, the triviality of uh, the medium.
1: And there's something to say too with um, the blogs that we read and the videos that we watch, even within the evangelical realm, that we need to filter um, with scripture mm-hmm. and our own understanding of what they're saying. So, are there things that we need to guard against in that realm too with the information that we're receiving um, through blogs, through podcasts, through Twitter, Facebook, or whatever mm-hmm. else you want to say within technology?
2: I, I think we need to guard against taking in knowledge just for knowledge's sake. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That's one aspect. And then I think we need to create space in our lives for reflection upon the information that we receive because it's easy to have the assumption that just because I have downloaded all this data in my head that somehow I'm smarter or wiser because of it. Mm -hmm. And just merely having information intake, which I think is a good thing, on balance, it it does not make me a smarter person. It does not make me love God more. It doesn't make me love people more. There's an additional step that needs to be taken, and oftentimes that it doesn't translate from data download to practical change in my life unless there's space created to think, uh, to operate from uh, freedom from distraction.
1: So how is this information that I am Downloading either by listening or by reading, conforming me into the likeness of Christ or not, right, and taking some time to just sit and pray and meditate yeah. on things yeah. Justin, what are some practical uh, tangible ways that we can guard against abusing technology? We have a lot of people in our church who are sitting here right now listening to this
2: counterintuitively, I would say the the first thing is not to develop a checklist hmm. and that that you make the assumption that what's, what works for me or what doesn't work for me is therefore de facto applicable for everybody. Because it would be very easy to do, to say, you know, if you spend more than 35 minutes a day on Facebook, you're neglecting your family or you're sinful. And it's, I think we all have a legalistic impulse in our hearts <laughs> that want to do that sort of thing. And for me, if, if 30 minutes is the max, I just say, you know, nobody should spend more than 30 minutes on Facebook a day. We just need to guard against that because that's not how the New Testament's written. It's always, no matter where we're at, it's always challenging us to move in a more Godward direction, and it resists the temptation to lay out specific rules. Um, but there are practical things you can do, and I think you, I think you should start with just the question of, uh, Lord, examine my heart. You know, I, I want to be honest before you. I want to be honest before other people. Um, you know, reading a book like uh, Tim Keller's book on counterfeit gods mm-hmm. that explores that issue of idolatry. Is this becoming an idol to me? And, and I, I think also just inviting other people to give their honest assessment and their help, not to invite judgmentalism or legalism, but to go in a spirit of humility and say, you know, can we talk about this? I'd love your counsel, a wiser, older Christian that you can turn to.
1: Do we have to use technology to be relevant to connecting with others and for other purposes?
2: I think that's a great question. I think you can come at it from two different angles. One, a younger generation can look at an older generation and think they are irrelevant if they're not using technology, if they're not on these conversations on Twitter and on Facebook and other social media sites. And I think the other end, is the older generation who may not be as adept or be on it at all or be resistant to it, may fear that they are going to be perceived as irrelevant if they're not using the the tools and the language of a younger generation. And I would say two things. One, I don't think the older generation should necessarily fear the medium. Yes, it has drawbacks, but to recognize this is a gift that can be used mm-hmm can be seen as something from God through God and to God Romans 11:36 and not to think that just because it's new therefore it's deficient and I should stubbornly avoid it but I think more importantly the note that needs to be sounded especially in our generation as as younger guys is that there is deep and profound relevance that can happen apart from trivial though potentially good things like Facebook and Twitter. So you encourage the guy who's 70 years old to get a Facebook account and start updating his status and uploading pictures of his family and uh, engaging with people online. That's great, but that doesn't compare to what it might be like if you sit down with him in his kitchen over a glass of lemonade and talk about what the Lord has taught him in these last 25 years Mm. of, of what it's like to... Lose a wife to cancer, and what it means to be faithful to Jesus Christ in a changing world, and as he's getting older, those sort of things I think are profoundly
1: Hmm. relevant. Summarize for us, please, if you don't mind. How do we use technology without worshiping it?
2: When you ask that, Dustin, I think of I just think of verses like Ten Commandments: You shall have no other gods before me. First Corinthians ten thirty one: Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink. Or we could add whether you update your Facebook or whether you tweet or whether you do a blog post or whether you are just reading these things, do all to the glory of God. Um, every good gift is from God. All things are from God, through God, and to God if used in an appropriate way. Things like marriage are good gifts and we should enjoy them. And the same is true of technology. So uh, worship God first and foremost. Seek with all your might to have him first in your affections, and to view things like technology as a gift from his hand, but to be careful that they don't become an idol, that they don't replace God in your affections, but you use them as something that he's given us for the edification of the church and for magnifying his great name.
1: Mm. Thanks. Thanks for your time, Justin.
2: You're
0: welcome, thanks. This video uh, is uh, teaching from a man named Tim Challies. And uh, Tim Challies is another very prominent blogger in evangelical Christianity. But unlike Justin Taylor, Tim Challies is also an accomplished speaker. He goes around and teaches at different conferences and such. He's actually an associate pastor at a church in Toronto, Canada. You might pick up his accent just a little bit uh, in the video there. And uh, he's also an accomplished author. He has written, uh, most recently, a pretty important definitive book on Christians and how they should approach and use technology. And uh, so this teaching segment here is about an eight minute video clip, is a section of him kind of talking about a lot of the things that he's written in his particular book. And uh, we hope it'll be a blessing to you. And also now, with the uh, volunteers come, and we're going to take our morning offering.
3: talk about is the next story as more of a series of ideas. Um, Something that's been bouncing around in my mind for really the last few years that eventually worked their way into a book, but something that was very important to me for, for a number of months, a number of years really. I started thinking about this world that we live in, this strange new Facebook, email, cell phone, Twitter, blogging, internet, computer, iPod, iPad world that we're all part of. And I just started thinking about I don't know how to live in this world. This is a new world to me. I'm not very old, but this is still a very new world to me. And I started thinking about how do we live as Christians in this world? Maybe we're living as Christians in the last world and we haven't yet transitioned to thinking about this world in a distinctly Christian way. Well, Jesus told us to live as Christians in this world, but he did that in a very different context, a very, very different time and place. In the last 2,000 years, the world has been transformed again and again, and it's been transformed very often by technological innovations, by technology, whether we're talking printing press or we're talking computers. It's often technology that drives the change. In our day, we're in the midst of a new transformation. It's a digital transformation, and it affects all of us, and it affects me. I was born in the 70s. Just before personal computers began to make their way into our homes, it affects my parents, people who were born in the, well, 40s or 50s, and they are now, well, they were born in that world, but now they carry cell phones with them all the time. They have email addresses, they're on Facebook, so they're a part of this world. And it affects my son. He just turned 11 years old. He's been born into a world where he never knows anything except computers all the time. Everywhere he goes, there are computers. He can't imagine life without computers. What we're facing here in this world in the 21st century is something that's entirely new. Nobody else in all of history has had to deal with some of the things that we are dealing with at this digital frontier. No one one else has had to think about what it means to have in your pocket at all times a device that can be used to access pretty much all of the world's information at once. This is a new thing. People thought that was science fiction not too long ago, and yet here are our iPhones with direct access to the whole World Wide Web. They're with us all the time. A moment ago I told you there's a distinctly Christian way to think about technology, any kind of technology. And let me give you just a brief outline of how that, a very brief outline of a theology of technology. And it all begins with God's act of creation, his creation mandate. God created the world and he made us in his image and gave us a mandate to go into the world and to exercise dominion over it we were to have dominion over all life to go into the world building families and culture and civilization this was our mandate our charge to rule this world for his glory and to do that we would have to rely upon innovation upon technology right we could not do god's mandate we could not perform his mandate if we didn't invent if we didn't come up with new ways of exercising dominion over this world But then sin interfered. Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. They were led astray, and the whole world changed. And suddenly this was no longer a world under our control, but it was a world that fought against us in every way. Everything in the world was subject to the curse. And that includes the things we make. That includes technology. In a perfect world, every invention, every technology would only ever be used for good purposes. We could invent nuclear fission and nothing would ever, ever go wrong with it. Nobody would ever turn it into a bomb and drop it on a city. Nuclear fission isn't an evil technology, but it certainly can be put to evil use. The iPhone in your pocket, is not an evil device. Your iPhone isn't evil, but you can sure use it for evil purposes if you're checking email for the 55th time in an evening and ignoring your family or if you're using it to browse the web looking for pornography it can be used for evil so there's a couple things you can think about at this intersection of technology and theology it's a starting point for that theology of technology let me outline it again point number one technology is a good and god-given gift Technology allows us to imitate God. It allows us to serve God in in shaping his creation for good and noble purposes. Number two, technology is subject to the curse. And we need to keep this one in mind. Technology is subject to the curse. So our technology can be used to honor God or it can be used to compound our rebellion against him. It can be used to draw our hearts toward God Or it can be used to draw our hearts away from God. And what's remarkable is that it can do both these things in the same use. We can use it in such a way that it'll do two different things. In one way, it'll draw us towards, and in another, it'll draw us away. And so it's how we use technology. It's the way we use it that determines, are we using it for a good purpose? Are we using it for a noble purpose? Are we carrying out God's mandate, or are we destroying God's world? So technology in the big picture is good. We don't have to be Luddites. We don't have to run away from it and just say, ah, that computer stuff is junk. No, we have to live in this world. Technology is good. It is a good thing. And yet we have to use it knowing what we do, that it exists in a fallen world and can just as easily draw us away as toward. So what does this mean? We as Christians need to use technology and we need to use it well. But always we need to be wary of it. And we tend to just jump on the greatest, the, the newest and greatest thing. We, we hear about this new iPad and we just want it so much. We have to be very, very wary of it, trying to understand what will this do to my life? What is this doing to my heart as I think about this new thing? What we as Christians need to know, what we need to understand, what we need to believe is that we can think about all of this as Christians. We can apply the Bible to all of this. Now, of course, People would say, well, hold on a second. The Bible was written thousands of years ago, and it was written in a day where people didn't even write. It was passed orally from person to person. Then eventually it was written on scrolls, and then it was printed, and and now it's heading towards the digital. But what could that book teach me about life with an iPad or life with an email address or Facebook And yeah, the Bible was written in a very different time and place. It was written at a time when bronze spears and paved roads were were near miraculous inventions. It seems very old-fashioned today. But you know what? This doesn't make the Bible irrelevant at all, does it? The fact is the Bible has this long track record of guiding people from that day through the print age, through the writing age, now into the digital age. It's that very long time the Bible has been guiding us, has been giving us biblical wisdom, has been teaching us how to live in this world. It gives it credibility. The Bible can help us understand how to live in this strange, bizarre new, wor- new world that we find ourselves in. In fact, this Bible needs To guide us. We have no choice. We got no choice. There's no going back at this point. We won't ever get rid of of all these screens. We won't get rid of the internet. The internet is is really just becoming part of who we are. We don't even really think about it anymore. It's just it's just part of our world. It's not going anywhere. We have no choice but to live in this world. The question is, how are we going to live in this world in a way that honors and glorifies and serves God? How are we going to live in this world in a distinctly Christian way? We need to write this next story, and we need to write it for his glory. Thank you.
4: Tim's a great voice on this topic, and I've read this book um, in in preparation for today. It's a good book. I would encourage you to go pick it up. We've got about five copies left in the bookstore. Um, Pick it up. Give it a read. I read it on my Kindle app on my iPad, so I'm definitely immersing myself in, in the tech. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Colt Melrose, and for three and a half years, I've been married to my wife, Lindy. And for the past four years, I've been on staff here as the director of visual arts. And I think this is probably the first time that I've ever had the chance to get up here and and to address uh, you guys on the weekend. Uh, It feels pretty good to be a a little bit in control. You know, normally I hang out up there and see all my my balcony friends that I see every week. And, uh, you know, the best part of my job, I haven't done this in any of the other services, they're probably going to kill me the best part of my job is the volunteers that i get to work with week in and week out and i'd like to take a minute just to say thank you to them for their work so can we can we give them a hand yeah. so as the resident techie i've been tasked with the job of the practical application for the day and uh, i've got four tips that i want to share with you and they're going to focus primarily in two areas television and the internet, social media, mobile devices world, because I think those are the two most applicable for, for all of us. Uh, tip number one, make time to turn your technology off. This is something we all need to be intentional about. Everything we have, every electronic device has a power button, and we need to figure out how to use it sometimes. Uh, my wife and I have started to, to have a tech Sabbath every Thursday. It uh, basically means we, we turn the TV off, we don't get on the computer, and, and we, we put our phones away. And the first time we did it, we failed miserably. We were so connected, we, we couldn't do it. Uh, but the more we've done it, the easier it's gotten. And you know what we've found? Is we have time to go for walks together and enjoy the sunshine, which isn't around in Northwest Indiana for very long, right? So we need to make the most of it. Uh, we've also had time to read together and have deeper conversations and, and get to things that, that were too busy the rest of the week to get to. So I would encourage you this week, go home, find some time. It doesn't have to be a whole day, but a few hours to just turn off and see what God has to say to you in that time. Tip number two, when your technology on, have an exit strategy. Okay, we need to be intentional about how much time we spend watching TV or Facebook. And when we set practical limits, we're going to prioritize consuming the best content, right? This is where a DVR can be so helpful because it puts you in control of what you watch and when you watch it. Uh, now, the, the danger is to record everything and so we can watch everything. We don't want to do that. We want to record the things that we've planned time to watch. But when we do that, that puts us in control of the television. On your computer, uh, that might mean setting access limits that only let you log on from, say, 6 to 8 p.m. in the evening or for only a period of time, and then it kicks you out. That way, we can be in control. And this isn't just a tool to help teach our children responsible technology usage it's really a great tool for all of us because you know things like this ipad all this new technology we interact it, interact with it uh, like children sometimes because it's so new you know we still haven't figured out how to fit it into our lives tip number three filter everything and this one's probably the biggest uh, earlier we heard justin taylor talk about the three areas of technology we've got this redemptive world over here And then over here, we've got this destructive world that we all know uh, exists. And in the middle is that murky, trivial middle he was talking about. Well, it takes a lot of energy to block out this destructive world, right? So if we can use technology to help kind of build a fence or a wall to block out that destructive world, we can take all that energy and put it into figuring out how to navigate that murky middle. Or better yet, we can just put it right into living in that redemptive world so that we do it to the glory of God even more. So on the TV, that might look like setting up some parental restrictions. You know, the newer TVs and all your cable boxes allow you to set up restrictions based on ratings of shows uh, and movies. And so you can, you can set those limits. If, if there's a show that you think's okay, put in your code, give it permission to watch it. But it's going to help you block out that destructive world on your computer or your mobile device that might look like a program such as Covenant Eyes Covenant Eyes is installed on every computer in this building many of the staff have it on our home computers as well Uh, basically the principle here is that it it monitors wherever you go on the web it takes all the questionable stuff and it sends it to an accountability partner that you set up they get the report they can look at it they discern is this something that I need to address or not and then they can come to you and say hey Here's something that we need to talk about. Um, You know, it can serve as a monitor uh, or it can also serve as a filter, like I said, to block that content. But either way, it takes the secrecy out of our time online and it allows us to, to do that to the glory of God. For me, Pastor Chris is my accountability partner. And I also get to serve as a partner for two of my wife's brothers who live in Texas And the cool thing with technology is that we're halfway across the world, but or halfway across the country, but we can we can hold each other accountable because of the technology. And I just want to camp on this for a minute. Uh, These flyers are available at the About Bethel walls at either exit. And Bethel has a group set up with Covenant Eyes. For twenty-five dollars a year, you can have monitoring on your computer. Uh, that's just over $2 a month, which we probably all have in our couch cushions. So, you know, go home, dig it out, write a check, fill out the form, turn it in, and and get some accountability um, in your life. Finally, tip number four, read a verse before you read a tweet or a status update or email or text message or newspaper or Xbox or whatever, whatever the technology is for you. Uh, This one's pretty self-explanatory, but it's become a great practice for me. See, I use my iPhone as my alarm, so when I get up in the morning, it's the first thing I pick up, right? Uh, So I'm tempted to just jump right in to all this technology. I'll show you the home screen on my phone. And uh, I I like to put pictures on my home screen, and this one, we were digging through some, some old albums, and that's me about age three, and all my cousins and my brother there in the maroon sweatshirt looking pretty stylish. Um, But now that I got you guys looking at the screen notice on the bottom there it says ESV study plus That's my bible app and notice. It's more prominent than my email my social media apps my sports uh, news apps Uh, That helps me to when I get up in the morning jump right into the word read a chapter or two And that helps me to filter everything else that i'm going to consume the rest rest of the day Here's what else it does you know when you when you sit down to dinner and you eat dessert first then maybe you leave a little broccoli on, on the plate. You're not getting all the nutrition that you need. Same thing with the content we consume throughout the day. If we consume all that junk first, we've got less room to fill up on the truth. So when I put the truth in first, I get full on that. And then there's less room for the junk. So I'm getting all of my spiritual nutrition up front. Um, so there's four tips just to, to help us uh, you know, use technology without worshiping it. I've put it all on my blog, ColtMelrose.com. You can find links to my Twitter page, my Facebook page. I would love to connect with all of you guys um, deeper. But uh, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift, even technology, is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights. So right now, let's stand together and let's continue to worship and thank God for all the good gifts that he's given us.
0: I want to introduce to you now what will be our our final uh, teaching segment for the morning here. And uh, today we are going to have, kind of to wrap up, conclude our service, Ty Stakes. Come and share with us. Ty is uh, a missionary supported by Bethel, has been for many years. He's a familiar face, familiar name around here, and hopefully many of you have, have met him and gotten to know him. And uh, Ty is not maybe a a missionary, as some of you might initially think, or stereotype missions in the sense that he doesn't live off in Africa in some dirt-floored hut someplace. Uh, Ty actually works in a big city and primarily uses technology as he goes about through his his missions work. He works for uh, a ministry called HCJB Global which is a worldwide radio ministry. And this ministry strives to broadcast, particularly into areas where the gospel is not prevalent and easily uh, heard, the message of Jesus Christ over the airways, over radio. And so Ty and his ministry, technology is absolutely essential. It is critical. It is the, the tool he uses to really advance God's kingdom. And so we could not think of really anybody in our congregation, our church family here, who could be better spoken uh, to this subject of how to use technology in a godly way. Uh, Christ-honoring way. And so let's give Ty a warm Bethel welcome as he comes to share with us today.
5: Good morning. How's it going, Bethel? You hanging in there? Yeah. It's kind of a fun service. I'm enjoying it. Even the third time, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a new thing for me, too. So my name's Ty. Ty. Um, I bring greetings from my wife Paula, who's right down here in the front row. Give a little wave, dear. Yeah. And, uh, I have two awesome sons, Tyson and Ryan. Uh, they're here too. Where are you guys? Up in the balcony. Yeah, they're up there. Give a wave, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we serve with HCJB Global in uh, the Asia-Pacific, and I'm the regional director there, and I'm also a radio planter, which doesn't require a shovel, but I'll explain a little more about that later. We're in the U.S. Uh, for the summer to send our son, Ryan, who just graduated from high school, off to Greenville College uh, in Illinois, and he'll join Tyson there, and they're both studying various forms of digital media. So they're technologists like their mom. (laughs) No, just probably get that from me. Anyway, we're grateful for Bethel sending us out. And we appreciate all you guys, your partnership with us and standing behind us here. And uh, we can't do it without you. So thanks for being a part of our team. Um, It's a privilege to share. Oh, one other thing Yeah, I have here, a very sad thing. This is the new prayer card, which has no children on it. <laughs> yeah, we're empty nesters now, so let the honeymoon begin again. <laughs> and uh, you can get one of these from us in the back. We got a little table out in the foyer by the information desk, and so feel free to grab one. If you want to get our monthly prayer updates, they're real short. I'll get your email address. We can do that. Anyway, it's a privilege to share with you guys today. Uh, the topic is one that we're immersed in personally and in which we see God moving in amazing ways where we work. In Asia, we help partners use technology to deliver a message of hope. That sounds pretty simple, um, but it can be a little confusing sometimes. If you'll notice the sign there, I'm, I'm actually receiving a massage of hope. Uh, These are, this is a Nepali friend, one of our partner stations there. And, you know, just one little letter changes the whole meaning of the message in English. But praise God, these guys are reaching out in their language, not in ours. And likewise, uh, I'm not reaching out in their language. I'd be saying goofy stuff like that on the radio. Anyway, I'm receiving a massage of hope there, but we deliver a message of hope. Our partners do. Now we're talking about using technology without worshiping it. But I'd like to go beyond that and think about how we can be missional in our use of technology. So uh, an image caught my eye the other day here in the good old USA. We're getting our son Ryan ready for college. And in part of that process, we need to get him a phone and some service and stuff here in the States. And so we bought a phone and a plan and brought everything back to the apartment. And then I noticed this image on the box for the phone, and I was fascinated by it. Rule the air. Here we've got the world and a radio tower and the signals going out, you know, and uh, rule the air. What a concept. It's a great description of what's going going on all over creation, even today. We're in a battle to rule the air, or as Chalice said, for dominion. Dominion is key. It's no coincidence either that the enemy in the battle we're in is sometimes called in the scriptures, the prince of the power of the air. Interesting, right? We're in his domain fighting to take it back. Well, to me, the question of technology and how it fits with God's purpose in the world is about dominion. Here in Genesis one twenty six, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. God gives men dominion on the earth, but in our fallenness, we've abdicated our authority And we've compromised our ability to rule for God. Prior to the fall, no one ever needed to pray that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was a total given. However, in the wake of our choice to be independent of God, the world is out of control. Can I get a witness in the house? It's out of control. Look at the news. We're self-destructing. And it's a spiritual battle for the souls of people that's at the middle of the whole thing. That's what all of the ruling of the air has to do with, the souls of men. Since the fall, the enemy's been hard at work distracting created men from God's efforts to bring them back to himself. Religion is a distraction for the religious. And I see this every day. I live around a lot of religious folks, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus jumping through hoops to try and please a god that they believe hates them and is angry and somehow they need to satisfy we even do that here as christians sometimes we're religious and religion's a distraction sometimes stuff can be a distraction for materialists pleasure a distraction for hedonists self a distraction for humanists work a distraction for workaholics we could go on but are we distracted Are you distracted? And if you are, and sometimes you are, I know you are, because the enemy is trying to distract you. What are your most challenging distractions? Spend a little time and think about that. And as been mentioned, technology can be a distraction too. Is that an issue we need to deal with? Some really great points made earlier about how to do that. And we need to reflect on those things. But on God's side of things, The gospel is his plan to bring people back to a relationship with himself, submission to him, and authority on the earth to bring about his kingdom. This is the battle for dominion. God is drawing people by his grace to salvation and to his purpose, and the enemy is distracting us and enslaving us for destruction. Of course, there is a huge part of the gospel that is great news, and that is that this battle will eventually end. Jesus will be exalted, and he will rule over all things in heaven and earth, present and future. His dominion will be established. Check out Ephesians 121. Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can also find some other references there, Jude, and also in Revelation chapter 1. So in the time between the fall and the completion of God's plan in our lives, that's where we are. We humans do what humans do. And one of the main things we do is we create stuff. Creating is a part of our nature, but how we use the stuff we create comes out of our character, who we are, our motives, and our purposes in life. What we believe is the biggest factor in how we live and how we choose to follow Jesus And what we believe is also the biggest factor in how we use technology. It's about what's in here. So let's talk about missions for a minute. I'm a missionary. I'm passionate about missions. Yes, it is my thing. Missions, but I have a missiology and my missiology is really, really simple. Uh, When I say missiology, that's the study of missions. But what I mean is what do I believe about God wants, about what God wants his people to do? I mean, he created us. Why are we here? What's our mission? So here are the basics. God loves the world and sent his son to save us. John 3, 16. Amen. He's charged us to take his gospel to all of the nations. Matthew 28, the great commission. Talk about it a lot. Do you talk about it in this church? Does yeah. that ever come up? All right, cool. Good. Just check it. It's important. And there are a lot of complicated discussions about end times. You know, over in Asia, we heard about Harold Camping's prediction. Oops. (laughs) But now it's October 21, so hang in there. But Jesus offered a simple statement about what it will take to complete his great commission. Now, I'm not an end times prophecy guy. I don't get all of that. Hundreds of guys have talked about it and nobody, they don't. All agree, so I can't figure it out. However, I do understand this. Matthew twenty-four, fourteen. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And that word nations is ethne, which is like people groups, ethnic groups, language groups. And then the end will come. So this end is the end of the current age that we're living in. And it's the time when Jesus will set up his kingdom. It's when he takes charge establishes his dominion friends that is what i want that is where i am pointing that is what i'm focused on and i want to ask you do you are you waiting for that day are you longing to see him are you longing to participate in life and live under the king of peace in the kingdom of peace do you feel the pain of this life yeah amen and we're looking forward to that well this is what's got to be done to get there So what do we do with technology? Well, it can be a distraction. It can also be helpful. But can it be useful in completing the ultimate purpose of God in the world? That's the question. Is it useful in mission? I think it is. Here are a few examples. Medical technology gives us the opportunity to tangibly share the love of Jesus with people who are hurting and for them to be healed and also saved. It builds a bridge to them. Computing technology has shortened the Bible translation cycle by more than half. And Wycliffe Bible Translators, one of my favorite organizations, says that by 14 years from now, the year 2025, they will have a translation started in every language that needs one on this earth so that every literate person on this planet can read the Word of God in a language they will understand. I don't know if it's the end times or not. But I'm telling you what, we've never been 14 years from that, ever, until now. So, something to think about. Technology. Travel technology allows us to move all over the globe much more quickly than in the past, increasing our flexibility and broadening our opportunity for impact. I'm here today because of travel technology. If I had left Singapore in June on a boat, I'd still be out there. Uh, The Internet allows us to coordinate, collaborate, and communicate with people everywhere, enhancing our unity as Christians and increasing our impact for the gospel. The Internet also is pretty marvelous when it comes to the potential to deliver information or a message to every corner of the globe. You know, the Internet's going to create some of that opportunity. It's pretty powerful. And what that is, is that's mass communication. In the last 100 years, mass communication has become a reality. And at the moment, it's starting almost to overshadow other aspects of life. Can you relate to that? Do you feel a little overwhelmed with information and communication? It means it's starting to become a distraction. That can happen. It's probably one of the big challenges for using technology without worshiping it. But think about that verse... From Matthew 24, the gospel being communicated um, to the whole world, to every ethne, is mass communication. This is a mass communication verse. So how is mass communication in mission impacting the world? Let me give you a couple examples. In Asia, where we serve, countries that used to restrain their people's access to media are allowing locals now to participate in the media which is a part of freedom we get to speak so in indonesia nepal and thailand we help local christians reach their own muslim hindu and buddhist communities using fm radio we call this radio planting which means using radio as a tool for church planting and many hundreds of people are coming to jesus every month through our partner ministries were any of you here last December when my friend Iwan came up here and told you that? My Indonesian friend? I mean, do you remember that? It's, it's Every day we work with these guys. It's awesome. And God is really moving to bring people to himself. We're also very focused on training our partners to use technology as they reach out to their communities. So, are you keeping up with the political developments in the Muslim world right now? Been seeing that on the news. The Islamic spring movements are being organized and fueled by technology, social media, cell phones, the internet. And HCJB is using satellite radio, the internet, and social media and shortwave to bring the gospel into over 1 million Islamic households per month. That's per uh, listener surveys done by the BBC. We paid some money to get these results, and we were going, oh my gosh, because we never knew... That we were actually in that many homes—I mean, a million homes a month—it's stunning. There is such an openness to the gospel when people are on their own little technologies in the Islamic world. Out in public, none of that, but at home in private, God is moving. On a per, uh, wait, let me go back here. In Islamic countries and Asia, speaking of people having to be secretive. Um, The primary means of communication between broadcasters like us and our partners and listeners is texting on mobile phones. This is super uh, good for them because it's readily available. Everyone can get one. It's secure because people use prepaid phones to do this so they're not identified with their phone. And it allows for immediate communication in a conversational way. Wow, it's awesome. So on a personal note, we as a family are very grateful for technology because it allows us to stay in touch with our sons, our family, and supporters like you guys. While we're 10,000 miles away in Malaysia, which is where Paula and I will be moving when we go back in September, we use Skype, email, instant messaging, um, text messages, social media, and they're all a blessing because we can stay connected with the people we love. And you can do that too. You enjoy these aspects of technology. But what can you do from right here in northwest Indiana to be on mission both locally and globally with technology? That is assuming that God isn't telling you to come out and join me, which is an option that you can consider. If you want to talk to me about that, we can talk with you after. Um, but um, Jesus told us to be salt and light, right? Okay. If we use Facebook, how can our posts be a ray of light? Um, to people who read and people who we relate to. Um, what groups could we join and post to where we could reach out to people on Facebook? For example, if you've lost a child or suffered with a disease or struggled with parenting or struggled as a teenager or anything like that, there are online groups that you can join to reach out to others who are dealing with similar issues with the love, love and truth of Jesus. If you love American football, If you love soccer, whatever, there's Facebook groups you can join and post into, you know, plant some seeds. Yeah. Okay. Internationally, there are several ministries such as Truth Media and CVC that recruit believers just like you, just like me. I've done this um, to disciple, mentor and evangelize people everywhere through targeted websites, email and in chat rooms. You can do that from 7 to 8 p.m., from 11 to 12 p.m. in your home, just chilling, reaching out to people, speaking into people's lives, people all over the world. Um, You could connect with HCJB's Spotlight English Ministry and build relationships with people in countries like Vietnam and India and many more in a club environment online designed to help them learn English. And you do it with Skype. How cool! So you can talk to each other Work through a little club lesson, which was very simple, and help them with their English. And then you build relationships with them, and that brings opportunities to share Jesus. It's powerful stuff. The opportunities to leverage technology for the gospel are endless. And they will grow. There will be more and more. The question is, what is technology to me? What is it to you? Is it an idol? Is it a distraction? Is it maybe a helpful thing in your life, and your entertainment scheme of things? That's good. Or is it more than that? Is it a way to build ourselves up to serve Jesus Christ as his body, as his light and salt in the world? Is it a means to build relationships inside and outside the church? Because we know we impact Jesus, impact people for Jesus in relationship. Or maybe it's even a key to completing the Great Commission. What we do with technology is what we're going to do with our life on some level. It's going to work out from our hearts into our use of technology. So let's make it last. Let's make it eternal. Let's make an impact for the kingdom. Amen.
0: We've uh, covered a lot of ground here this morning, haven't we? A lot of things to chew on, a lot of things to think about really just to kind of summarize, I want to share with you just very briefly just maybe four key points that we have kind of, that has come out today through all the different things that have been shared. First is this, the technology is not evil, it is God's good gift. We ought not to think of technology as something from the devil, it's something that that God can use and God blesses us with. We ought to praise him for it. We ought to be appreciative to God ultimately for all these tremendous technological resources he has given us. And second, we must use technology in ways that glorify God and promote righteousness. Now technology can be used for very wicked things, it can also be used for very incredible things that sanctify us, that build us up in our faith, and that God, bring God great glory. It's our responsibility to use technology for that end. And third, we must not allow technology to distract us from other important responsibilities. Sometimes that means maybe you got to turn off the TV to play with the kids, or step away from the computer or Facebook to interact with your spouse. Some many other things we need to be doing in balance in life. And we have to be careful not to allow technology to consume us in these trivial sort of things. And lastly, we must use the technological resources that God has given us for kingdom purposes. You realize with the growth of technology, it's, it's never been easier to share the gospel and be a light for Christ in the world. And all you need to do now is for your Facebook status, post a link to a web page that will share the gospel. Refer your Twitter account, you know, fire off a, a verse you've been reading. Or use social media or other means of technology to take a step towards somebody in relationship where you can be intentional in that, to share the gospel and be the light for Christ in their life. It's never been easier. And we ought to be good stewards and use this technology for kingdom purposes, shouldn't we? We absolutely should. So as we leave here today, reflect upon these things. Go about your life seeking to glorify God as you use technology. In the end of the day, make sure that all your technological pursuits and uses are all about him.